if you will, I want to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about over the last three months about the heaven and the heavenly places and uh, so forth. And I want to do it in light of how Paul ends Ephesians chapter number one. And uh, he, we've been talking about, uh, if he, we started in Ephesians one verse uh, 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believed according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And I want to talk about the end there of verse 23 this morning, about filling all that's in all. The, the, the issue of the universal fulfillment, the fullness of the universe. And, and we're going to look at this issue because when you think about the heavens, you think about the earth, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God created the heaven and the earth with a purpose. He wasn't bored he didn't need something to do one day. He had a plan and he had a purpose. And we studied it early about the, God's glory plan. If you're here in chapter 1, if you look back up to verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and the Father of, you know, if you have kids, you're the Father. That means you begat them. They're, they're, you gave them life. He had a plan that he called glory. And that plan was, was for heaven and earth to be a place where he could manifest his glory, put it on display, to have a creation come along and understand his glory, understand his purpose, understand his plan, and to respond positively to it. You read Romans 1, and you see three times where man just, where God gave up man because man did what? They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. You look at what's going on in the world today, and God is leaving everything. Even so much that the committee, the conventions a couple weeks ago drop under God from our a Pledge of Allegiance. See, they just get rid of God. If you, if you talk about God or the Lord Jesus Christ, they hate, your, they hate you. <laughs> okay, But what is that? This shouldn't surprise us. Paul says in 2 Timothy there that men are just going to wax worse and worse and worse. But what do we do? Stay the course, okay? So when you come here and we begin to talk about this, he created creation to have a, a place that, where they create the creation understood his glory and they respond positively to it and rejoice in his plan and his purpose and his wisdom the way he did. Back there in Job, he, when he's creating and he's talking to, to Job and he says, hey, where were you when I hung and did all this stuff? And he says, where were you when the sons of God, that angelic host out there in the mornings, they sang and rejoiced when I was creating? And what he's going to do ultimately in that plan there, the end of verse 23, the fullness of him that filleth all in all, he's going to fill up the universe with his glory. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now you're going to say that, and we're going to develop that out here this morning in whatever time I can get through, because I've been 
threatened with mayhem and violence at home if I go over my time, okay? <laughs> I did last week when we were talking about the, uh, the, the creatures and stuff. And uh, anyway, I'm still, walk- I'm still walking with a limp, okay? <laughs> uh, all right. We're, we're, folks, we're going to participate in the exaltation and the glory, glorification of the manifestation of his son. Look down in chapter 2 and look at verse 6. He says that, and hath raised us up, what? Together. And made us sit, what? Together. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're going to share. We participate in everything that we've been studying and everything that we've been looking at. And, and what happens is, is as the Lord Jesus Christ becomes the fullness that where he filleth all in all, we are the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And when you begin to look at the heavenly places, again, remember, one, they're what? Real. Two, they're organized, powers, principalities, powers, mights, thrones, dominions, rulers, all this stuff out there, all that's government. Today they're in the hands of Satan, the usurper. There's an enemy. We'll see it here in Psalms 8 in just a minute. There's an enemy on board. But God has a reconciliation program. Look back at chapter 1 of Ephesians and verse number 9 and 10. Quickly, verse 9 and 10, having made known unto us the what? The mystery of his will. He kept this information secret. He kept it away from everybody. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says that had the princes of this world known this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He kept a secret. Then he, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Both the heavenly program, the church, the body of Christ, and the earthly program with the, with the nation of Israel, their design is to work hand in hand as one unit. Diversity, but yet a unity. Just as Paul would use and talk about the body being many members, but what are we? One body. That's the plan. The plan is one, not two. I mean, I understand when we come to right division, we separate out Israel and the church and so forth, and we do all that, and that's, that's legitimate, it's right. But in the ultimate plan, what does he do? He brings it all back in one unit, brings it into unity. Come over with me to Jeremiah 49. Last time we looked at the creatures, and I got several emails from that, which is great. And those creatures predominantly were satanic, if you noticed. Okay? And one of the questions, uh, Jeremiah 49, one of the questions was, was, well, what about, you know, our dogs and cats that we love and so forth? There are no verses that say they're in heaven. Okay? I'm just going to tell you that. Actually, it says that they go back to the earth. Okay? In Isaiah. All right? But the thing of it is, is if you're going to live there and participate and be at home there, I think they're going to be there, okay? They're, they're, I, <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know, I just think they are. But there's no verse that says they are. But what, is, what animals are in heaven? We, well, we know that there's horses and things like that, okay? So don't worry about that. Just get, we're going to have, you're going to have so much fun in heaven, you're not going to miss Fido and Blue, okay? You're not, you're, you're uh, Blue, Bell. I, that was, uh, I was thinking of Bell. You're not going to miss any of that. 
You're going to be so busy. You're going to have so much fun. You're going to be rejoicing. You're going to be doing. You're going to be participating in the ruling of the government of the universe and the heavenly places that you know what you're not going to miss? Letting Fido go to the bathroom out back and feeding at 5 o'clock in the morning or vet or any of that. You're not, so don't worry about that. The other question that I had, which we're going to just sum up and then we've got to move on. Jeremiah 49 is why haven't we seen, remember we talked about the satyr, the half horse, half man, wings. Why don't we see those things? Okay? Why, have, why haven't we seen those? I told you the dragons, that's the term that matches our dinosaur term. The word dinosaur didn't show up until the 1840s in the English language. So the dragons you read about in Scripture really are dinosaurs. By the way, they know that from the pictures in the caves and the pyramids and stuff. They understand that. It's not anything going, oh, no. But, so, but look at Jeremiah 49 and look at verse 33. 49:33, And Hazar shall be a dwelling for dragons and a desolation forever. There shall no man abide there, nor any son of man dwell in it. Do you see that there are that, that this place is a dwelling of dragons, those spiritual creatures? But it's what? Desolate? There's no humans there. Those creatures that we were looking at last week, they enjoy unoccupied areas. They want to live where no humans are at. Well, if, if you go in, they leave, then what can you not see? Them. See? There's some of this we never have been able to see with the naked eye because what is their characteristics there in verse 33? They like desolation. They like nobody to be there. So it becomes hard to observe. But I want you to catch something in the verse 33. There shall no man abide there, so no human activity. But he doesn't stop there. He says, nor any, what, son of man. Now we're going to get very specific. Because the issue, come over to Psalms 8, the issue with that title, son of man, that is an, it's a very important title about the Lord Jesus Christ, about him being Messiah. And it describes the embodiment of what man is all about and should have been about. Why did God create man? And it, it is embodied in that title, Son of Man. Now in Psalms 8, you have a short psalm here by David. And if you have a title underneath the Psalms 8, it says, To the chief musician upon Gith, Githieth, a psalm of David. That word Githieth, 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 Goeth, Githieth, <laughs> Okay, means wine press. Now, when you think about wine press, what do you think about? The judgment of God. It's a place of judgment. It's a place where God is going to come and literally destroy his enemies and wipe them out. I'm going somewhere, so just hang with me. Chapter 7, let's get the context of 8 before we get into it. Psalms 7. Verse 1, O Lord my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. So the context of 7 and going into 8 is going to be an issue of deliverance. Deliverance, how do, what happens? 
The wine press, he comes in, he delivers, he judges, he rescues his people. Verse 6, arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for me to, to the judgment that hast Thou, um, that thou hast commanded. There's enemies. Arise. It's time for deliverance. You go down in verse 14. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head and his violent dealings shall come upon his own pit. He's talking about the Antichrist. That's going to be his activity and his career. Verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord, what? Most High. You go back over into Genesis and you find out that that title, the Most High, means possessor of heaven and earth. Here is the Lord. When he comes back in his second coming and he avenges the enemies and destroys the enemies rescues Israel, rescues Jerusalem. You know what he is? Matthew 28 says he's got the power. He's the Lord God, of possessor of heaven and earth, the Most High. So Psalms 8, in responding here to the Lord who came and judged his enemies and now is possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Filled the whole universe up with who? With his knowledge, with him. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies. Thou that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. See, there's an enemy in creation. And you know what? You know where God ordained peace and victory? Out of the weak things, the babes and the sucklings. Those little kids that walk back, the, the baby, very, you know, you don't think of a strong man being a three month old. See? But he uses what? He uses the weak things, doesn't he? When you're weak, Paul says, I'm strong. See? He comes along and says, when you're in your weakest moment, that's when I'm in my strong. When you're in your weakest moment, who, who are you looking for? You're usually at the bottom of the barrel and you're looking up, aren't you? And you're looking at him. God ordained peace to come out of the weak things. Verse 3. When I consider thy heavens and the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Job 15, he says that the heavens are, are not clean in his sight. The enemy is there. It's polluted everything. What is man, now watch, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Notice verse 5 carefully. What did he do with man? He made him a little lower than the angels, didn't he? But he crowned him with what? With glory. You read Romans chapter 1 and the unsaved world out there, they're going to, God gave them over to that, to the fulfill the lust of their flesh, and now over there they're, they're you know, marrying up on the, you know, uh, I just had it, doggone it. Anyway, 
they've de-glorified God, so God says you're going to end up de-glorifying yourself. Man has a crown of glory. Man was crowned with glory. Now look at verse 6. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He took you back to Adam. You got dominion. But then he says he put all things under his feet. Now he took you to Ephesians 1 in the future. See that? Where he's going to put all things in the, under his feet. Now, the only way, come back to Ephesians 1, the only way that, a man, that man, and by the same way, when we saw man, we're talking about male and female, okay? Don't nobody get their feelings hurt, all right? When he made mankind, the only way man is going to be able to be used by God and his purpose to have dominion over the creation was going to be accomplished by the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Ephesians 1. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, walked the earth, he is demonstrating what man was supposed to have done. And in that capacity, now man can accomplish the purpose of dominion over the universe. This is where we come in as the saints of the Most High. Because he's going to use us to fill up his universe. Ephesians 1, verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to who? To the church. Ain't that wonderful? Boy, these verses, I don't know if you've ever read them and go, huh? Well, let's try to get some of the huh out of it, okay? which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. All things that are under his feet. Why, why does he have all things under his feet? Psalms 8 just told you to accomplish his purpose in man. What's the purpose of man? To have dominion over all of it, over all the creation. To the church. Notice that verse carefully. He's put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things Usually we read for the church there. It doesn't say that. It says what? To the church. When people say for the church, what they usually are going to do then is say that God is in control of everything in your life. And everything is under his control. He'll take care of you. He will protect you. He will put a hedge about you. He'll do all of this stuff that you know what happens? None of it happens. Because that's not how God works. He's the head over everything, what? To the church. It's to our advantage. That's what he is. He's made head over all the things. All things. Back up in verse 21 there. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named. Come over to Colossians 2. 
On your way, stop in chapter 1, Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. All of that governmental structure, he's the head over it all to the church, to the church's advantage. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse number 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, how? Bodily. So when you looked at the bodily issues of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you looked at him and you see him, you know what? He's the representation of the Godhead. You want to see the Godhead in tangible forms where you can do what Thomas did over there, go touch him, feel him? You're going to look at it in the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, in Revelation 21 down there and 22 over there in the, new, the dispensation of fullness of time, do you know who's exalted? No longer just the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Godhead is exalted. All three are manifested and exalted. Here right now, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Jesus Christ, come back to Ephesians 1, Jesus Christ has made the head of all of the government of the universe, whether it's the heavenly places, heaven, or the earth. And we participate in that. It's to our advantage that he was made the head. Now look at 122 carefully here. i got to get back there. You look at it, I'll get there. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, who is that? Which is his, what? Body. We. Which is his body, comma, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We are the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's us. As we get to participate, and as we begin to sit there, and as we begin to be glorified, the raptures happen, the resurrection's up, we've had the judgment seat of Christ event happen, we've been presented to the Father, the Father has come over, the war in heaven, the heavens have been cleaned out, these dispossessed the enemy, now it's time for ye that dwell in the heavens to be put in. And as we do, what we're doing is, is we're filling it up, aren't we? The Lord comes on back down in the second coming and Satan and all that's passed on the earth and he finishes out the 70th week of Daniel and he establishes his kingdom here on the earth. And it's going to reign and rule forever. But it's got a thousand year introductory time to deal with man, to show man that the devil didn't make you do it. Sin made you do it. The problem isn't somebody else. That's Genesis 3, kick the ball down the court. Adam says, the woman, she made me do it. <laughs> and the woman says, uh uh it was the devil. He made me do it. And de the devil is cast into that lake of, uh, in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, bind up. Man finds out, you know what really made me do it? Sin. And you know who paid for sin? Was the propitiatorial act of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. As he stepped in and when God the Father says and the justice of God says, you're guilty, he says, I paid it all. And the song says, and all to him I owe. He took care of it. He paid it. He's the one that punched the ticket on his resurrection that says, justified, and he's raised, and it's done. Isn't it nice to get stuff when it's paid off? 
you know, pay that car off. And usually, you just, normally you get a title back in the mail. Now you just get an email. <laughs> it's done, you know. If you want a title, contact MVD. It's done. He did it. And he's the head of the body to our advantage as he now takes us and he begins to fill up the universe. Now the thing about that filling up of the universe, I'm going to spend the rest of the time looking at. Because there is a fundamental issue about our Christian life right now in time. And the function of maturity and growing up in our life right now that God has given to us as we are in His Son. Every issue that comes up in life, if you're in Christ, if you're in the body of Christ, you have been fully equipped to handle. Completely and totally. We have a skill set of information of grace that God has given us that allows us to have victory in life right now. That allows us, Romans 5 says, to allow grace to reign in your life, to rule, to have control. I was talking to a guy one time years ago, and he says, Rick, if I get saved, then i got to quit smoking and drinking and watching Sunday football. And I said, no, you don't. I mean, he's, I said, what you need to do is get saved so you don't go to hell. You smell like you've been there, but you don't, don't, let's not get you there. And he says, yeah, but you're going to come along and tell me i got to quit. I said, I ain't going to say a word about that. God's word will take care of that. I'm just concerned about you hearing the gospel. So I gave the guy the gospel. Whether he got saved or not, I don't know. The next day I went by to knock on his door, he wouldn't let me in. So I figured I scared him enough anyway. The point is, is life-changing stuff will come with the knowledge of the truth. Right here, though, you and I, we are equipped. And that's what I want you to think through with me this morning. He's put all things under his feet, the Lord Jesus Christ's feet, right? Wait, but we are his what? His body. So he put them all under our feet, too. See? Over there in Romans. Oh, I don't, I can't do it. i got to stay on topic. <laughs> okay? Otherwise, I will definitely be looking for a couch to sleep on tonight. We literally participate with him in his authority over all things. And he's fully equipped us to accomplish that. And what we do right now in time is develop the skill sets to then go and do that. In the we do it now, and we do it in glory. Come with me to Acts 26. I just want you to notice this issue, Acts chapter 26, and just kind of think about this universal fulfillment, filling up everything, and the fact that he's going to take you and I, members of his body, and together we're going to reign with him. In Romans 8, he says that you're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What a wonderful Thing. You're heirs of God. If you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are in the family, and as a member of the family, you know what you get? You get an inheritance. Don't you like those? Wait for, the, you wait for them to die, and you go down there to the, to the 
lawyer and they read the, the will or whatever. And what are you usually looking for? What do I get? Right? See? You know what you got as an as a heir of God? You got eternal life. But as a joint heir with Christ, there's something in that inheritance that you also get. But that is based upon what you're doing right now in time. Okay? So let's develop that for you. Acts 26, Paul is going to be re-accounting here for King Agrippa, verse 13. Oh, at midday, O King Agrippa, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining forth round about me and them which journeyed with me. And he's recounting Acts chapter number 9 and the road to Damascus, okay? Verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now, I know, and I, I think about me, if I was Paul and I said that, I'd be sitting there going, please don't say Jesus. <laughs> say, you know, who are you? Don't say Jesus. Say anything, because I've been out persecuting Jesus' people. <laughs> don't say, you know. And he says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth in Acts 9. You know, Paul went, oh, man, I knew it. I should have never asked, who are you? <laughs> you know, that's how men think, right? You know, I should have just left well enough alone and kept moving. <laughs> But now watch verse 16, because the Lord's going to tell him something here. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of the things in which I will appear unto thee. Here, that's what God said to Paul. You know what he did to Paul? He said, here's the gospel, buddy. Paul believed him, believed it. And then I got some things I'm going to show you as we move along here. You're my guy. He's in Acts 9, he tells Ananias, you go down there and you do what I told you to do because he's going to be my representative in front of the Gentiles, in front of the kings, and in front of Israel. He's my guy. Okay? Now watch the next verse. Watch verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom, big word right there, now I send thee. On the road to Damascus in Acts 9, Saul Paul, Saul Paul, Saul was converted and commissioned at that moment right there. Okay? Verse 18. Why was Paul, this happened to Paul? To open their eyes. Isn't that interesting? Over there in 2 Corinthians 4, he says that, the God of this world has blinded their minds. We're going to open their eyes. We're going to shine a little truth in on them, Paul. We're going to make them see some truth that they need to see. And to turn them from darkness to light. Colossians 1, he says, we've been translated from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of his dear son. He's radically changed you transformed you, given you a new citizenship. He's made you his ambassador. What's an ambassador? Doesn't mean you belong here. You're a speaker of a foreign, foreign country, right? He says, you're my guy. You're mine now. You belong to me. That purpose, intent, that they may receive the what? The forgiveness of sins. Wow. Blessed is the man into whom the Lord will not impute sin. The forgiveness of sins is wonderful. 
He's forgiven you all trespasses, Colossians 1.14 says. That means any time I mess up, guess what? He took care of it already. Now, it doesn't mean I'm good with it. You know, Paul says, Romans 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer is, God forbid, no. But that means I'm not on my hands and knees begging him for forgiveness because I have been forgiven. And, now, now, having forgiveness of sins, getting saved from hell is wonderful, isn't it? You know, rather to be hell scared than hell scorched, as they used to, the old guys would say. That's a wonderful thing to know for eternity that you're not going to be where their worm dieth not. But yet you're going to be in the presence and the glory of God. But that's not the end of that, is it? Look at the next verse, the next word. What's the next word? And. Uh Uh-oh, there's a second part to this. And an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. He didn't just save you to keep you out of hell. He saved you to make us a part of an inheritance. Something that He wants us to accomplish. And that inheritance is among them which are sanctified. You got an inheritance, folks. We got an inheritance of the heavenly places. Come back to Ephesians 1. Do you catch what's going on here? He's filling all of us up. He's filling the universe up with you and I. Why? Because he promised us an inheritance. Okay? Ephesians 1. Quickly here. Verse 11. 111. In whom also we have obtained and what? An inheritance. Verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. The earnest of our what? Inheritance, verse 18, wake up, wake up, 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In the saints. Verse 21, far above all principality and power. What are we inheriting, folks? That governmental structure, aren't we? Now notice in verse 18, It's the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You and I are so valuable. Yes, the forgiveness of sins is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But God the Father has placed value on your life, on you. And he says, you are so valuable. You become my inheritance. You're mine. Now come over to Acts 20. You belong to me. When talk to the young couples when they're getting married, we talk about the, the I do's and the I don'ts, <laughs> more the I do's. When we talk about marriage back there, and the man leaves and cleaves, and they become one. You know what you're saying? You belong to me. You're mine. No one else. Ephesians 5 there, verse 33, the greatest need that, man, that a husband needs and a wife needs is in that verse. The wife needs to be loved, and the husband needs to be reverenced, respected. And when that happens, you know what happens? Then marriage becomes a little smoother, (laughs) okay? Acts 20, verse number 30. I told you, folks, everything in life you're, you're equipped to handle. 
You got it right here in the Word of God. It's right here. Acts 20, verse 32. The end here, Paul's been dealing with the elders at Ephesus. And he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you a what? An inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word of his grace is going to do what? Build you up. Build you up to give you this inheritance. Come back over to Colossians 3. Folks, there is so much more going on than just you being forgiven. There is an inheritance here that's ours. Build you up. What, I, what I'm going to receive out there in that inheritance, the heavenly government, is going to be based upon some building up that I'm going to be doing right now. Build, build. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I laid the foundation. Be careful how you what? Build on it. You're going to build gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. You are. Let's build more of the gold, silver, and the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And let's stay away from that other stuff. You're going to build it, don't get me wrong. But when you get start building it, stop. <laughs> and let it sit there. Watch Colossians 3 here, verse 23. You guys following what we're talking about here? The inheritance is the heavenly government. What was Israel going to inherit? The earth, weren't they? The earth is theirs. What kind of, what was going to happen on the earth for Israel? They were going to have a what? A kingdom. Twelve, tri twelve thrones judging twelve tribes. David as the king. What were they inheriting? Land, earth, dirt. What do you and I inherit? The heavenly government out there. See that? What's he going to fill, fill up the universe with? His body, us, in that heavenly government, and then his people, Israel, here on the earth. So he's going to fill all in all. And it's because we are in him and he's going to use us to do it. Why? Because he created creation for a purpose. And that purpose was to glorify him. Have a creation. Think of, I don't know if you've ever tried to think about what it was like for Adam and Eve before they fell. Where all of creation was functioning in that manner that it was designed to be willingly going and serving and being who they are in Christ. That's what we're going to be able to do. Colossians 3, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto men. Wow, what a verse. That's a great verse. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you go to work tomorrow, See, you could say that before COVID. Now, I don't know, you guys work at home, you know. <laughs> they, the poor suit makers have gone almost out of business because everybody's staying home now, you know. Okay, whatever you do, do it to who? To the Lord. Not to men, but do it to the Lord. Do it heartily. Let it come from your heart, from your inner man. When you do that, you know what it becomes? An inner man thing, a heart thing, and not a performance thing. 
When Paul says, listen, your job as a husband is to take care of your wife and, to, and as a dad to provide for the family, when he says that, he doesn't tell you how to do that. He just says, go do it. And when you inside, guys, husbands, dads, and when you inside say, you know what, I'm going to do that, as it looks in your life, you're doing it heartily unto who? The Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do, let it come from a desire of your heart. You go to work, to school, whatever you do. You know, you retired folks, I don't know what you all do, but whatever you do, okay? Do it, what? yeah, you, you don't do a lot. What do you do? You do, it from, you do it from an understanding of what does God's word say to me about this and let's go do that. Not, Ephesians over there, he says, not as men pleasers. Don't do it for that. You do it because the word of his grace has what? Built you up. Now watch verse 24. Knowing. Oh, ouch. You mean I got to know something? Yeah, you do. Your Christian life will not function on the basis of ignorance. God doesn't bore a hole in your head spiritually and dump it all in. He says, study. Come in there and study and do and learn and grow and let his word build you up. That's why I encourage you to read three chapters a day through Paul's epistles. What are you doing? You're getting that word in there. You're, I'm not saying studying it out. Just read. <laughs> and the next thing you know, your language will change. You may still get mad, but maybe instead of the little four-letter words flying, other words will come out. Never tried that. You should. Changes everything. Knowing that the Lord of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye sir, serve the Lord Christ. Knowing. Folks, when you build into your inner man the skill sets, and then you take those skill sets and you work them into life, you are able then to respond to whatever comes in life the way he would respond. Everybody asks, what would Jesus do? You don't have to ask that. You already know what he would do. It's right there on the pages of his word. What are we going to do? We're going to do it for who? Verse 23, heartily as unto who? The Lord. When I do that, when I build into my inner man, and then I go live my life that way, you know what I know? I know it's going to count. You know how I know? Look at verse 24. There's a what? A reward of the inheritance, isn't there? I know this is going to count. There's a reward associated with the inheritance. I get the inheritance. I'm an heir of God. But there's a reward. I'm a joint heir with who? With Christ. What is God the Father giving God the Son? The head over, in the dispensation of fullness times, he's the head over what? All of it. What do we get? If we're a joint heir, we get the same thing, don't we? Ephesians 2, verse 6, what do we do? We sit together with him in the heavenly places. But that reward. Now, real quick, look at verse 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect to person. You know what you can do? You can miss out on the reward. You don't miss out on the inheritance. 
you miss out on the reward. I'll come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just talk real quickly about that reward of the inheritance. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Guess where we're at now? We're back to the judgment seat of Christ. And what was going on at the judgment seat of Christ and its purpose and its plan there. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 14. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to give an account of yourself. Your life is going to come up, and you know what's going to happen? What would you build on that foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ? What's going on there? By the way, this is saved people. If you're not saved, you're not here. We're not talking about you. You're going to get to stand before the judge at the great white throne judgment, and your destiny is the lake of fire. Let's have this be your destiny, to stand here in the heavens, getting promoted into glory. And you know what happens? The gold, silver, and precious stone, the wood, hay, and stubble go through the fire. And what happens when fire hits wood, hay, and stubble? It, poof, it's gone. But what happens when it hits gold, silver, and precious stones? It refines it down, doesn't it? It cleans out the impurities. It produces the capacity. It announces, here's the capacity of, this, of your inner man. Here's what you've built up into your inner man. Some of you haven't built up much that's going to last. Some of you have. But you know who's, by the way, the Lord's the judge, not me. So I ain't judging none of you. I got my own, I got my own dirt in the corners, okay, <laughs> that'll take care of it. But see, the thing is, is there's a reward. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a what? Notice it's singular, not plural. Okay, everybody likes rewards, but it's, not, it's reward. Verse 15, if any man's work, suffer, work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The reward, quickly, just to kind of wrap it up here, the reward of the inheritance. There is a reward that is a part of the inheritance. And you're gonna, you get the inheritance because you're in the family, but the reward... That's based upon what you built up in your inner man. That's going to be, the, the reward are going to be principalities. Come back to Ephesians 1. Powers. Principalities, powers, mights, dominions, thrones, rulers. And every other name that's named. All of that, you may say, but Rick, you know, I'm just going to be happy to be there. I'm glad you're going to be happy to be there. But you know what you're going to have? You're going to have a job when you get there. Because there's that every other name that's named category. You see, the reward or the, the categories of the reward are those positions of the governmental structure. And every other name that's named is that broad. I, I, th I think about that. Paul specifically names principalities, powers, mights, thrones, dominions, rulers, specific jobs. And then he says, oh, why bother? Every other name that's named. All the rest of it. You know, you think about the ditch digger that works in the city streets department. Guess what he is? He's a governmental, a governmental employee, isn't he? Used to be. I don't, who knows what they do nowadays? See? Every, so every, everyone in the family is going to get a job. Everyone that trusts Christ. Think about this now. 
everyone that trusts Christ, whether they've come to the knowledge of the truth or not, is going to be there. Because they have followed Paul in the capacity of trusting his gospel. There are going to be so many people you're going to be surprised to see. But what did they do? They trusted Paul's gospel. That Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. And that the only way to get to heaven is to trust him in his work at Calvary. The criteria to get to heaven isn't living a good life. It isn't taking care of and paying the bills. It's did you trust Christ? There's going to be so many people that are there that got there by trusting Paul's gospel. You know what they get? They get a job. It's every other name that's named. The reward of the inheritance has to do with that building up into some maturity. And the, the reward is based on what happens now. 2 Corinthians 5. Two more passages. You got them there. 2 Corinthians 5. I talk to people all the time, and they're like, yeah, Rick, well, whatever. We don't want to be there. We don't want to come. We don't believe you ought to be meeting. You ought to be doing this. Man, 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 man. Why do you harp on this stuff so much? Why are you doing You know why? Because this is, it impacts your eternity. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 9, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done. Big word. Two letters. Where? In his body. Not for his body, not by his body, but in his body. What's in your body? Your inner man. Do you know that when you die, you're going to leave everything here? What goes to heaven? Your inner man does. Your spirit and your soul. The two components that make up your inner man, guess where they go? They go to heaven. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So you know what you're going to take with you? Whatever you've built up here. You're going to leave all the stuff. <laughs> you know? He with the most things wins. Is that something like the bumper? No. You're going to, you, it all, you know what it's going to do? It's going to sit there. Your kids are going to fight over it. Best just excel it and get rid of all of it before you die. I don't know. Just a thought. Because what are they going to do? They're going to fight over it. You know what's going to heaven? You are. The reward is based on what you happen now. What did you do in your body right now? What did you build up? Galatians 4, verse 19. You see, folks, when he says, filleth, he's going to fill up, filleth all in all. You and I are in Christ. And he's going to use his body to fill up the heavenly places. He's equipped you and I right now to, to build some information into our inner man so that our impact out there in the heavenly places will be tremendous. But also so your impact in life right now will be tremendous. Galatians 4 verse 9, uh, uh, 19, but i got to get there. My little children of whom I travail in birth again, watch... Until Christ be formed where? In you. When your world around you, work, family, 
playtime, whatever you do, they need to be seeing Christ formed in you. That'll change your attitudes. That'll change your disposition. You won't have a bad attitude, you know, B.A. You'll have a glad, you'll have a good, you'll have a heart of thanksgiving. Over there in Ephesians 5, he says that we're to be singing the songs and melody in our hearts to the Lord. You have a melody in your step. Oh, but Rick, what's going on in the world? Whoop-de-doo, man. God will fix that. you, you, You know what it is to have your sins forgiven. That alone ought to make you have some happiness. God's going to take his son, places us in him and him in us. Then he builds you and you up. As he builds you up, he is building up his son in you. And he puts that on display. And the measure of your participation out there in the heavenly places, the measure of your participation in will be a direct reflection of the capacity, the measure of your inner man right now. That is what the reward of the inheritance is. That's what he's talking about in Ephesians 1.23 when he says, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Paul to Timothy says, godliness is profitable now. It's the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. What you do now, folks, impacts the future. And as we bring our little look into the heavens to a conclusion, we're not done looking at it, but just for right now, you and I are going to participate in that glorification, that manifestation of his glory out there. And the degree in which you participate determines, is determined by what you do now. Paul said that the will of God is that he would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, we've been talking about believers all morning. If you're not a believer, you need to be a believer. You need to get in the body. Then we've been talking about you. How do I get in the body? Just simply trust the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and paid for all your sins. Faith is a private matter. Not walking the aisle, not jumping in a bathtub in the back. But it's, it's between you and God right where you sit. It's a private matter where you just simply say, you know what, Lord? I'm a sinner. I know it. And I know you died for me. And I trust you. And I'll trust your word on that. And then you know what he does? He blesses you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he sets you free. But that verse didn't stop. It says, and come to the knowledge of the truth. You get saved. Now there's some whole bunch of stuff to go learn about. The word of his grace builds you up. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the excitement, for the, the, the prospect of glory, and for that wonderful look into the future. As we look around us now and we see everything seemingly to falling apart in our lives, but yet the constant is who we are in you. 
And Lord, I just pray for everyone here, for everyone on the internet, that as we go through the day and as we go through time and life, that we would just relax in who we are in you and know that everything we have is because of you. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. And whatever we say or do, we'll do it heartily unto you. In your name we pray. Amen.